Welcome to Pierce the Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 241. Yeah, 241. And uh, the last episode, we were talking about, you know, leaving the studio. And this is actually going to be yes. the last episode in Sadness. this studio. And we will have to change. It's going to be different. We're going to have a different uh, studio setup. But, uh, you know, this is this is a kind of a bittersweet moment. And the podcast continues to grow and evolve and change. And you know what I love about our podcast, though? I feel like a lot of podcasts and YouTube videos that I watch, like when they change, like when it's like, okay, we're going to like, we're buying a, a warehouse, we're doing something. Like they put everything on pause for a while. And it's yeah, like, yeah. we'll be back in a month. Like we just keep going. Like, I don't know. We might be like recording out of our cars for a couple of episodes, but yeah, we're no, going to we keep going. Stop. Well, no, we don't stop. And I appreciate that because... And again, you know, we have a fairly great following as far as like we have a lot of people as far as on social media and that listen to the podcast and and YouTube is slowly growing. Uh, actually, a little bit better than slowly now these days. We just keep making videos. But, you know, I remember when I was first reselling and like I would watch people and then I don't know where they disappear for two weeks. Mm. And I was like, no. So hopefully, you know, you guys are, are just you know, appreciating that we're taking the time to make this podcast. We are disheveled right now. Like mm. both Mike and I, I'm still in between places. I'm still trying to figure things out. I should have finality by the next time we record this podcast and maybe in my new location or who knows, no. who knows, but Hey, if you do appreciate our podcast, we really would love it. If you hit that subscribe button, smash that like button and hit that bell notification. So when you're notified, cause subscribing is a big deal, but hitting that notify and hitting that like button means a lot more because it notifies you when videos are dropping and it helps with the YouTube algorithm. Ooh, uh, the what? The algorithm. So along with that, comment, comment, comment. So our episode today will be about reselling in a post-COVID world. Yeah. So while you're commenting, why don't you comment below? How has it been? Uh, We've had some some episodes where we've talked specifically about, you know, the COVID spike, the initial when COVID happened. We have episodes of like, we don't know what's going to happen. The the increase. Now we're seeing potential decrease. There's been a lot of changes. So this is like now that the dust is mostly settled, um, you know, we're not we're not 100 percent through this thing, but everybody's kind of got a pretty clear picture of things. Things are getting better and and things are starting to normalize. And so uh, what's 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 new and changed and what does the reselling world look like now? So let us know below. What's your experience been? How, how do you think the next uh, year is going to go for you now that we're in this kind of post COVID time and uh, let us know your experience and your thoughts. And we'd love to uh, have some interaction with you down there. It sounds so weird saying post COVID, right? I mean, we're in California, so not everybody believes we're post COVID, but Mike and I believe we're post COVID. And so, uh, you know, I was thinking about this time last year, right? We made an episode about, we made a few. We made one about, you know, what does the future hold? We made like another one about how to source directly from home. And I remember it was, it was a pretty dark time for about a couple of weeks. Like we didn't know what was going to happen, right? We had no idea. We were recording yeah, We were podcast. like hand sanitizing like every two seconds, even while we're recording. We meet, you and I debated like, should we wear masks when we record? Should we even record together? I mean, there was a lot of questions then. And then it was like, what's going to happen? Like, is reselling going to be done? Like, I mean, and we all had these real fears. I mean, they were genuine. And then after a month... I recently like took off. Like, I think right now my metrics, I'm only 3% above what I was last year at this time, which is still good. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if you remember this time last year, like sales were exploding. Like remember you were talking about some salt and pepper shakers that you had forever that sold. Yeah. Remember those. And so everything was selling and now it's been a year and a lot has changed. And so I thought we should just put together an episode talking about, you know, what, what do we think a reselling world looks like after COVID? Now, there's a few things that are the same. And this is what I'll say. Before COVID hit, everybody that, you know, does statistics and, and studies and researches, retail and reselling and all that, we're already saying that the space was just going to expand and reselling was only going to go up. And I actually was looking at one of the stats 
there's a site called Statista and they want you to pay for their, you know, stats, but they do have one free stat that they showed me. And I remember before COVID, this was talking about that by 2024, the secondhand apparel market was going to be worth $64 billion. And so I was, I was interested. I was like, Hey, is this still the case? Like, is this still the way things are going to be after COVID? So they just released this past January in 2021 and we're still on track. And if you look, they actually said that from uh, 2021 to 2022, we should go from uh, close to 39 billion to 46 billion. Now, do you find this to be true? Do, do you see this happening, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the secondhand market's going to continue to grow. I think one of the beautiful things about secondhand market is when times are really bad, people are going to want to buy secondhand. And when times are going good, we end up in a culture where we have people who are trying to be more environmentally conscious. Mm -hmm. They're wanting to um, maybe th there's kind of been a uh, people are kind of disenfranchised with the whole like consumerism in the sense of we just got to go buy the you know newest, shiniest thing. And not to say that that's gone. Like most people still believe that, but there's it's a, still heavy too. Yeah. Like think about the sports cards market yeah. and Pokemon and all those things. Yeah. So, I mean, but people aren't necessarily just wanting brand new shiny toys. People are, are liking the idea of going to thrift stores and garage sales and getting stuff and getting stuff off of eBay because one, it saves them money or two, it helps with their conscience or, or whatever it is. So um, I think we win in both situations. I think the only time we lose is if, the economy was doing super well and we were in a place where nobody cared about, you know, saving money or helping the environment or any of those things which cause people to want to, you know, go secondhand even when they can afford to buy brand new. So, um, and I don't see us being in that kind of <laughs> culture or that kind of environment anytime soon. So I think the secondhand market's going to continue to grow. Now what's going to matter is can we get a piece of that pie? Well, and that that's my next point here is that there's a lot more competition now. Like, and let me explain, Let, let's first talk about on the retail side, right? And, and, you know, we've had so much to talk about in our update episodes, but you know, we had posted on Instagram about that Nike now is selling refurbished shoes. Mm. Is it refurbished? I, don't, I guess that's the word, right? Can you refurbish a pair of shoes? Yeah. Um, I don't know. If, yeah. <laughs> I don't they're, know. Like, like, I, yeah, I don't know. I think there's, there's, there's a, there's a just, term. You get I'm an sure. alcohol cloth and you just, you know, wipe it down. But you know, certified, not, certified, right? Nike's doing that. Patagonia has been doing that. All these different retailers doing it. Now, I think there's a lot of money to be made even from Nike. I, I've been watching some of the shoe sellers that we follow online and they're saying there's a great opportunity. If you're willing to pick up Nike refurbished shoes and list them on eBay, there's a lot of money to be made. You can't sell it on StockX. Uh, it gets complicated with Go, but on eBay, you can definitely make it happen. Now, the biggest one, I think the biggest competition for all of us. And, and again, this is not going to be a full documentary on what's going on. It's also not going to be like everything's bad kind of deal. We, we do offer solutions. So make sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode. Okay. Now, Goodwill. Mike, I think one of the most controversial posts you put on, uh, on Instagram was when you put the store that shall not be named Ooh, the store that and, should and not you be put named. it on, <laughs> and you put it on social, which is the store I just named a few seconds ago. That they hit a billion dollars in sales. Now, why do you think people were heated about that? You know, here's the problem: is I there's two different sides of the spectrum people fall on. One side is people see stores like Goodwill as being a positive thing. They help the community, they provide jobs. And I think there's absolute truth and value in that. Uh, the other side of the spectrum sees stores like this as kind of manipulating or taking advantage of. And um, I think there's there's validity there too. So it's a really hard thing because it's not a clear cut and dry thing. I think you can have different opinions. Uh, and the reality is- you know, but, but when it comes down to it, um, you can have different opinions on this, but you got some people who, okay, here's one argument. You can say a store like Goodwill is taxed. It's basically a tax-free company. They're, they're running as a nonprofit, but yet their CEO, they're the highest people on the board are making millions of dollars. And people say, well, they provide jobs. They provide jobs to people. It's like, well, McDonald's provides jobs to people. Like all kinds of companies provide jobs to people. Um, and so people can kind of get heated about the way 
specifically Goodwill Works, and there's other thrift stores in the same, compared to maybe others which really kind of operate as a nonprofit, all of the proceeds are going to to other charities and to help things, whereas like kind of the Goodwill money goes to pay for the employees and that's it. Like they're not doing other things for the most part in the community. Um, now they are selling things at a cheaper price. So th they do provide a value, right? So they're providing jobs, they're providing value. So there's goods and bad to that, but it's going to be heated because people tend to fall clearly on one side of the spectrum and it's hard for people to see, you know, that there's, there's a little bit of nuance there. Um, but you know, again, it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> So but it does, to your opinion. You can so let's, let's take a look at, I want to delve into this new story real quick, because I think this will give everyone better perspective. Now, I hear a lot of new resellers, they they get on the social media space and they're like, hey, don't tag, you know, Goodwill. Don't let people know that you go to their thrift store. You know, they watch your videos. I see them in the background. Now, there is truth to that. Like, I even know, like, my store that I used to go to all the time, they watch my stories all the time. Even, even when I throw shade at them, they still watch the stories and they're so friendly to me because we're still good friends, right? They understand, you know, that I, you know, I got a podcast about reselling, so I, I got to be real about things. And they also understand uh, that, you know, I'm trying to make profit, right? So I need to find good quality items at a good price. So there is, there is a lot going on that they do follow certain people on social media and they watch it, but they've been doing this since the beginning of eBay. Like you can find news articles about the store that shall not be named doing this back in the early 2000s. Okay. So this article that, that came out, this is directly from shopgoodwill.com. They stated that shopgoodwill.com, right, said half of the billion sales total was earned in just the last three years. The site had previously announced hitting the 500 million sales mark in September of 2017. Last year, the site saw nearly 22% growth in sales over the previous year with 171 million in sales. Now, I think a lot of that is due that a lot of the store that shall not be named ended up getting shut down because of COVID. And then they kept getting inventory. I remember certain places had inventory all on the outside. They didn't know what to do. And then they started going, you know what? We can sell more online. And then people started sourcing online too, right? So that also added uh, to you know the amount of money they made. Then it says shopgoodwill.com is receiving more than 21 million unique page views each week and currently has more than 2.4 million registered customers. Now, that's not even close to eBay's 80 million. Okay, But that's a, that's a large amount of people. The site brings together the best donated items from 129 local Goodwill sellers from across the country. Tens of thousands of items are available for bidding or buy it now, including jewelry, da, 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 all these items. So they're doing well. They figured out the question is, are we all going to adapt? Right. And that goes into my next part in a little bit because prices on everything are going up. And I think we're around the corner of having some major inflation happening. Not, not like, like pre-war Germany inflation, but yeah, I think we're going to have some inflation happening now. Some might be uh, an understatement. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Oh, man. All right. Well, hey. Whatever happened to that gold standard, man? <laughs> okay. What the gold standard? That that's been gone for a long. That's what time. I'm saying. Okay. All right. Now, by the way, a lot of the advice you get from older people about like the economy and even things like college goes back to when there was a gold standard. So things are very different now. Oh, that is true. I agree with that. Now, so we've we've talked about the fact that hey reselling is growing. We talked about the fact that there's going to be a lot more competition from retail. And by the way, there's going to be a lot more competition amongst ourselves. Yeah, no, there's definitely going to be a lot more people. And a lot of people did join into reselling uh, when COVID happened. Because again, you get people who maybe had a job and then now they're home, maybe working from home, or maybe they got laid off. Mm -hmm. Right. And honestly, it's, it's the best time if you get not that being laid off is a good thing. But if you get laid off and there's a huge increase in the unemployment benefit that you're getting. There were some people who are making in some ways more than they were making mm -hmm. when they were working on unemployment and your home. Well, what are you going to do with your free time? You really got two choices. One is do absolutely nothing and let your life kind of just wither away. Cause that's what happens when you, <laughs> Jeez, when you just sit, so, it's true though. When you, when you I sit mean. around and you do nothing, it, you, and when you lose purpose and meaning in your life, like it, it just, it's so negative and it has so many negative impacts. And on it can health, escalate quickly. Health. Yeah. Um, so, that's one option that some people took. And we've seen that there's been an increase in 
alcoholism and all kinds of things due to COVID. Mental health issues. Yeah, it's absolutely. Um, the other side that people can take is, you know what? I'm in a rough place, but I've got some money coming in. Things are being covered. There's a stimulus check. I'm going to use this money and time that I have, and I'm going to do a side hustle. I'm going to figure out some way to maybe kind of under the table. And that's how a lot of people start reselling is I'm going to just maybe sell some things in my house. I'm going to go around. I'm going to try this. Maybe they tried other types of, maybe they started an Etsy store. Maybe they, who knows, got into making NFTs. There's so many things people got jumped into. I mean, that's why the stock market and crypto and all that stuff really took off. Is all Dogecoin. Of a sudden, yeah. All of a sudden there's people home and they're getting money that they weren't necessarily expecting to have. And it's like, well, I should do something with this. And so there was, I think, an influx of new resellers, just like there's an influx in all kinds of things. Like I said, I think it was the last episode, the article that came out that's like 70% of Americans want a side hustle or have some kind of a side hustle. But again, I don't think this is too bad for us because one, it provides the validity to what we do. Legitimacy, people kind of see it as this is a real thing. And I'd be surprised. I'm I'm surprised at how many people when I mention I'm a reseller, they're like, "Oh yeah, I used to sell on eBay for you know a little while, and I made a bunch of money. I used to sell these things. It's or changed. I, yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people have done it, even if they've gotten out of it. They understand that it's a it's a viable thing, uh, but it's also a lot of hard work. And so I don't think most of the people who who join stick around. I think our audience is pretty good. We have a pretty consistent audience. But even watching our metrics and kind of seeing certain things, we see that there's like probably every month ten percent of people who've been watching and listening for a significant amount of time drop off and we get a new 10% coming in. Right. And it's like, cause I think that's just how reselling goes. People pick it up for five, six, seven months and then they drop off. And so there's always a new influx of resellers. And then there's always a, a max exodus of resellers kind of right. simultaneously happening. So maybe we have more now than we had before, but I still think it's not going to provide so much extra competition. Now, this could be depending where you're at locally too, though. You might be in a small town where five extra resellers just crushes you, right? So it depends on how big of an impact more resellers are going to have. Uh, but overall, I think the majority of resellers are not going to be impacted negatively by a handful of new resellers. But I will say, I think there's a substantial growth. The reason I say that is I look at some of these YouTube channels that are massive, you know, in reselling. Right, Craigslist Center, Reezy, uh, Rally Roots. I mean, all these individuals, Lindy Glenn, like not only hitting 100K, but being close to 200K or hitting past 200K subscribers. Like, yeah, if you want to get, I want to get my, uh, my diamond play button, help <laughs> us get to 100K. We'll, we'll put it right here. We'll, we'll, we'll toss this mug and we'll put it right there. Yeah. But, you know, if you were to tell me five years ago, like there would be YouTubers that do reselling, they have 200 kids. I'd be like, no, that's crazy. Like who would have thought? Right. But now, and there are actually individuals that even over the last year, they've gotten to hundred K. And to me, it's evidence of there's a lot more people in the reselling space. Now, the other competition in this post COVID world are, are a lot more people thrifting, not reselling for, for, for uh, you know, for example, but thrifting. And, and one of the reasons I know this, I, you see it all. And I mean, TikTok is a great platform to see where there's like a, there, the reselling world is growing on TikTok, but man, that thrifting world, like there, one of the hashtags is a uh, thrift to flip. And I remember, you know, I was using some of those hashtags when I was making TikToks and then I started researching it and I thought it was like thrift to flip, like thrift to flip for money. And there's like close to a billion and no, it's just people finding stuff in the thrift store and just, you know, flipping them, like making them better. Yeah. Right. Like, like up, upcycling, like flip my ride or something like that. Oh, yeah. is that what it was called? Yeah. Oh, pimp my ride was the name yeah. of the show. Yeah. But you get what I'm right. saying. But yeah, uh, upcycling, that's the thing, right? Like people buy things and they make it nicer. Like they buy a bag, they buy another like leather, you know, belt, and then they change the strap on the bag so that it has this leather belt with the rhinestones. And then they have this other thing. And so they make things nicer. Vintage furniture or, you know, that kind of thing is really popular too. Oh, yeah, people the shabby to, chic stuff. Yeah, shabby chic people to sandpaper it and then put on some uh, chalk paint and then weather that so it looks old, throw it in a in a store somewhere and sell it for a bunch of money. But now we're, we're in a whole different space. So what does that mean? That means we're all going to have to adapt. We're going to have to understand brands better. We're going to have to know what sells. I mean, gone are the days where I would just go to a thrift store and I could tell you in every thrift store I walked into, I'd walk out with at least a hundred dollars net profit easy every time. Like those days, those days are gone. So that leads me to our second point. But before we do that, there is something that consistently has 
become better since this beginning. And that is AmericanBubbleBoy.com. So I actually ordered my American Bubble Boy today. I'm expecting to get it over the next day because one of the warehouses is nearby. But the prices haven't changed, but they keep getting better. They actually, and you're talking about, uh, you know, recycling sustainability. They actually have new bubble wrap that is recycled bubble wrap. So if, you know, taking care of the environment and and making sure that you're doing your part is something you enjoy doing, there's bubble wrap there that is not brand new that you can also help. So you're also being, <laughs> being able to help yourself economically and you're able to make a change in the world. So eco-environmental, economical benefit, environmental benefit. There you go. So go to AmericanBubbleBoy.com. There is a link below. And, uh, you know, a lot of people ask us, do we have a code or anything? We don't. Uh, that well, link. Please use the link. Yeah, yeah, it's the link that does it. So the link uh, helps us out, right? Because it's an affiliate link. And it also helps you out because instead of going through Amazon, you're going directly through AmericanBubbleBoy.com and getting the best price and the best shipping, whether it be same day two-day or local pickup if you like. So check them out, AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Yeah. All right. So now that you have your Bubble Boy wrap, um, there's kind of been some changes in sourcing and shipping, right? So we're already talking about shipping. Um, things are different. We talked a lot about differences in sourcing, right? Sourcing locally, um, trying to do all those things. And one of the things that we noticed kind of going back to uh, thrift store prices is Prices are going up across the board. It's it's crazy. You would thought, you know, I remember in the early days of COVID, everybody was saying, man, can't wait for thrift stores to open. They have so much inventory. It There's going to be so much out there. Like, I mean, we thought it was going to be like a free for all. And yeah, that didn't happen. No. Yeah. And, it got worse. Yeah. And that's the bummer is I think so many places there's, there's, multiple effects. There's ripple effects to every decision and everything that happens. And so I think one of the ripple effects to businesses being closed for so long is everybody needs to figure out a way to recomp those costs, mm -hmm. right? Nobody wants to see their Q2 report so much less than it was the previous year, because then that hurts, it hurts all the shareholders. It hurts the, the, the board, all these things. And so they've got to find a way to, to get those numbers up. And so they've got to re, recoup those costs. And one of the only ways to do that is increase in inventory, especially as, you know, the cost of operating business has gone up. I mean, I know for instance, schools, each school district, I mean, San Diego school district got like something crazy, like two or $3 billion extra from the government to open up for the last like seven weeks of school in order to basically provide extra support on, on campus, provide PPE for students, provide COVID testing, all of these things, free lunches, free lunches, all these things that, that basically was like, they had to, they, they got money for, but if you're a business and you didn't get that money, right. But you've got to find a way to make sure your employees have, you know, testing if they need it, they've got masks that you've put up the shields you've done. So businesses don't just have infinite money, right? That, that money comes from somewhere. And so the only thing they can do is increase price of goods. But I think what happened, though, with the thrift stores is due to the extra time, I think people had the ability to research more. You know what I mean? Because I know at some point in time, the donations did stop. Right. I know here in, here in San Diego, there was a time when they were turning away donations. Right. So they had to work with what they had. And so I think just these stores became they 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 ended up doing what we would have done. They became more savvy about things, right? They understood what sells, what doesn't. And you know, I'm no longer in shock. That's a funny thing. It's at least here in San Diego because when I post Instagram stories, people are like, "It's crazy out there." And then that was like six months ago. And now when I post high prices, people are like, "Oh yeah, it's been happening here. It's been happening here. It's been happening here." And and rarely does anybody ever say, "Oh wow, like you know, our stuff is pretty cheap." I don't hear that anymore. Mm. Like that is that's done. And so you know, I'll go see a pair of Harley Davidson boots, and they're selling for. 59 bucks, 65 bucks. Sometimes I see them at a hundred video. I think of the, when's the last time you saw anything Nintendo in a thrift store here in 10 years? Yeah. Right. Right. It's crazy. I, I mean, I cannot think of the last time I saw anything like that. And so we should they, open up a thrift store, man. You think so? Yeah. Cause then we can just get donations from people and then we can sell them. 
Okay, all right, but I I don't think it's that simple. Like I think we have to jump through some more hoops. Well, only if you're going to be. I'm not saying we have to be a a, a tax free or a okay, uh, 501c3 okay. nonprofit. We can be a for profit, but I think a lot of thrift stores that are for profit have donation centers. Yeah, I mean, we you and I have talked about opening a pawn shop at one point in time. Yeah, so what do you guys think, pawn shop or thrift? What should we open? Should we call it Pure Hustle? Would that put a no? No, yeah, that's not a good idea. <laughs> Help us name, help us name our pawn shop slash thrift store that we're never going to make. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? What if, what if we, I don't know. Because I'm still waiting. I remember when COVID first happened. This is on topic, but slightly off topic. I, I was expecting a crash in commercial um, real estate. Yeah. And I haven't noticed, I mean, I don't know if it's Actually, it or didn't. Not. I mean, I have a good friend of mine that's commercial real estate and it hasn't been that bad. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe at some point it will get there because I think what's going to end up happening is um, you know, they had like eviction bans where like companies weren't necessarily getting evicted. And as that changes, who knows, maybe a bunch of these and, and businesses are going to downsize, right? They realize half their employees can work from home. They don't need these big buildings. So if commercial real estate drops, yeah, it might be worth, uh, worth starting a store. So that's just a tip out there for you guys. If that's something you're thinking about, um, you know, that may or may not happen, but wait for the dip to buy. Yeah. So anyways, back to our topic. So again, and, and prices on everything. I mean, we talked, you know, we had Lindy. Gas. Okay, okay, but we're talking about recycling. But those things matter. They, they do. They do matter. No, but, you know, remember when we had the interview with Lindy Glenn and, and we had asked her about pallets and pallets, the prices have gone way up, right? Because everybody during COVID was looking for a way to source without leaving their home. And so people went to pallets and those prices have stayed. It hasn't changed because there's a lot more resellers. I, I can tell you on the vintage market, some of my local deals that I go to, for example, I would pick up leather jackets. The price has tripled mm. in those leather jackets. And so even those wholesale connections that I have, those prices have gone up. So prices have gone up all around. So again, it doesn't mean that reselling is done. You can, and we'll talk about mindset later on, but understand there's still ways to make it happen. A lot of it has to do with networking. A lot of it has to be do, do with researching, but there's still stuff out there. So we're not going to be completely negative. Now, the other thing I want to mention is things are a lot stricter than they used to be. Right. And we, I talked about Amazon in the last update episode, how Amazon now is basically carried on their COVID policy from last year when COVID hit to now. And now you're limited on what stock you can send, but there's been a, bigger change that's happened. And I would say it's been in the restriction on prices. So you got to be careful now, right? So I'm a big fan of steering away from places where, uh, from inventory that your prices are going to be restricted. I think that limits your growth, right? And we saw that with Amazon. First, it started with the masks and it started with the sanitizers and it started with all the COVID related stuff. And then it just got to even like toys on Amazon, right? So you got to be really careful on what you source. And then we got into, I'm, I'm trying to tread lightly here, but stuff that most people I would think wouldn't find as offensive has now become offensive, right? And so cancel culture has taken over reselling. And so now you got to be careful about what you source, right? So where before, you know, you would say, hey, I'm a source this. Yeah, you know, eh, I don't know. But, you know, I know there are collectors that look at things as historical items. That's gone. Now it's no longer, now no longer things seen within a historical context as a history guy that that's kind of troublesome to me because I am a big believer in you, you got to remember the good and the bad of history, because in the end, if you remove all the bad, you have nothing holding you back from remembering what you shouldn't do. Right. right. And so you got to be careful. So sourcing has become even more careful. I mean, I have, I've, I've picked up items in the past that, you know, I'm like, uh, and I've never listed them, but for sure now I'm never going to list. I don't even know what's going to happen to some of these items. They were picked up on accident as part of a book buy. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, that's going to end up like in a show of American pickers when Orlando never sells all his stuff after 20 years. Right. But I'm just, all I'm saying is you just got to be careful when you source, you got to be careful. You always got to pay. Now you have to pay attention to the news and trends far more before you had to pay attention to trends in the news because of, Hey, something's trending. I can make money. Now it's something's trending. Whoops. 
I better not pick that up anymore. Yeah. And there's a lot of examples of those, right? Like certain books or another one that recently I noticed, I've, I've sold a lot of like uh, baby stuff, like like the Bumbos. I've sold quite a few of those or like baby carriers. Um, and then there was kind of like a big pushback for a little while against certain baby carry, carriers because uh, people kind of saw it as uh, appropriating African culture because that's what they really? used. Yeah. So then there was like people saying like, don't buy and sell these. And so, yeah, you just got to be careful because you don't know what is going to be the next thing. So just got to keep, keep an eye out. Um, you know, as long as your conscience is clean and you're selling what, what's okay, but you just got to know though, that there might come a place in time where things that you are sourcing might be restricted on eBay and you can't sell it anymore. So you got to think of multi-platform. Yep. Right. Right. Because just because it, you got to understand eBay, Amazon, a lot of it's public relations, right? They're still about the bottom bottom line. So if they feel that an item being sold on the platform is going to hurt their bottom line, they don't care. They'll remove it, right? All right. Another one that's changed, and I, I like this as a buyer, but shipping times, man, gone are the days. I mean, do you still use media mail? Um, yeah, for certain books and stuff. If they're, if they're low price items, I'll use media mail because okay. people usually don't care if it comes to them late. Um, or if it's like a really big, like if I'm selling like a huge collection of books, um, I'll ship through media mail. Cause again, usually people are fine waiting the five to 10 days it takes to get there. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, shipping is definitely sped up. I mean, there was a time during COVID where, um, shipping was so slow that, that, <laughs> I remember that. that, uh, now we're back in a place. Cause there was a little while, even on eBay where you could kind of be a little bit more lax about when you ship stuff out. Cause it was like, as long as it gets there, eBay's kind of excusing any complaints about shipping times. Uh, well, I don't think they're doing that anymore. Not no, to the those, same extent. Those days are done. And I do believe that the resellers that end up taking advantage of the fact that, Hey, you know what? People want their items fast. They're going to be the ones that are going to make more money because I, I you know, and this was a big debate on social media. I, I had posted something about shipping and, and somebody said, well, if you're going to the post office every day, like you have no life, like that's terrible. And somebody else is like, well, doesn't customer service matter to you? Right. Cause there's certain, and I'm not, you know, I get it. If your life situation makes it that you can only ship like once a week or every other day, under, understandable. Right. But if you're looking to scale, I do believe shipping times are going to have to be faster for you. I think it's a big deal. I think the algorithm definitely likes faster shipping. Did we forget our sound? We forgot our sound. Wait, did you say the... I said the A word. Algorithm. Right. We're so, going to have to have another uh, another conspiracy episode at some point. We do. It's been... It's, well, usually it's around like October when we mm. drop those. Do we not maybe, drop one? Maybe we make it like a Halloween conspiracy thing. Where it, it co- it's not Halloween related, but it coincides with like spooky time of the year. Spooky. All right. Hey, so a lot of change. Now, in our next segment, we do want to talk about... What are some solutions? What are the things that we believe is going to help us all be successful in a post-COVID world? But before we get to that, we have our Hustle of the Week. But before we get to Hustle of the Week, if you have not been following us on social media, we are PureSo Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are PureSo Cast on Twitter and Clubhouse. We are also available by phone, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. You can always shoot us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, we are grateful for all of you that has helped us out financially through buymeacoffee.com slash purehustle. You signed up for that yearly uh, membership. And I'm telling you, it's pretty awesome. And Mike and I are gearing up here to do a virtual meetup here uh, via Zoom. Uh, we're using Zoom. We're using something. Yeah, Zoom. We'll, we'll let you know. But uh, we look, you know, once things settle down and we got, you know, we're recording all that established, we'll definitely make it happen. It'll be our first like Pure Hustle Plus uh, scenario. And it'll be a lot of fun. So look forward to seeing you there. Uh, again, Helping us out financially, buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle goes a long way. Uh, Mike and I have been trying to ramp up the videos and any kind of, you know, financial help to offset the cost definitely help us. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to find our reviews and I hit play on one of our podcasts. That's okay. Probably didn't hear it. So I, oh, anyways, well, the reason I want to do that, I want to say thank you so much. Also, thank you for all of you that continue to help us out on the reviews. We are the most reviewed reselling podcast and the largest reselling podcast. And it's because of our incredible audience. We're at 439 yeah. in reviews, still getting closer to And that. we're definitely the best podcast that you are listening to right now. Yes, that is 100% true. the best. So I, I wanted to read the last reviews. I always like reading these because... 
people take the time to write them. I yeah. figured we should take the time to read some of these. So let's do it. Let's read the last two. This one came in from, uh, actually, I'm going to read three. Let's do it. They're quick. All right. Okay. Let's do it. This one comes from Walker's Woodworks. Oh, I like that. So thank you. It says, just started getting into reselling and these two have amazing info. The sound effect gets stuck in my head too. LOL. Yeah. And we got new ones. Hopefully. Hey, let us know your comments on the, on the sound effects. I'm interested. Yeah. Good and bad. Hopefully more good. I said, I was walking around the house saying, it's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. And my girlfriend was pretty confused. <laughs> I'm sure. That is awesome. Keep it up, guys. Hashtag 500 club. Yeah. Got to make that 500 club. Get here before we reach 500 reviews. So be here or be be there or be square. I don't know. I was going to say <laughs> something, something funny, but it's all right. We'll keep that. rolling. All right. Next one came from Carly D. Uh, two and said, uh, best of the best. My favorite reselling podcast out there. Listen to them daily and they have saved me so much time and money. You know, I, I appreciate that because we share a lot of our fails to be able to help people. So that definitely helps. Uh, their content is always super informational and real. They talk about the good and the bad, which I think is so important. I just really appreciate all the time they put into giving us free info. Just overall, amazing guys. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I think winky face. I don't know how to take that one. Yeah, you know, it's fine. All right. And then last of all, from the dudes, bro. Yeah. That's right, dude, bro. Yeah. All right. Broseph. I love it. It said, very informative podcast from two bald and there was no more space, but I'm sure he's going to say something. Bald and beautiful? Like bald giants. Mm -hmm. There's a G in there. So said, I stumbled on this podcast via IG, and I'm so glad I checked it out. I'm new to reselling. I've been binging this podcast. I can relate to most everything they talk about, and it's cool to hear how others are doing things. From a fellow bald, bearded, middle-aged dude, thank you. You guys are great. Hey, you know, middle-aged, I don't like that. We're young. We are young. We are 41. I think I got another 50 years, so I'm good, at least. So, hey, by the way, talking about bald, let's talk about Skull Shaver real quick. So, today has been a busy day for me, and I had to get ready for the podcast, and I had to keep the smooth dome, because how terrible would we be if we were Skull Shaver, I guess, influencers, ambassadors? I don't know what the exact title is. And I look scruffy up here. That wouldn't be good. So no. I, I grabbed my pit bull. Yeah. Was I a couple minutes late to the podcast as usual? That's why you were late. Mm -hmm. Gosh, darn it. I was shaving my head, but you know what? Cause of the school shaver, I wasn't 10 to 15 minutes late. I was only two minutes late. So that 90 second quick buzz definitely helps out. So if you want to maintain that clean, bald look, go to schoolshaver.com. Use our promo code pure P U R E. Thank you so much. I like it. All right, now it's the, for that awesome time. Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah, all right. Our first one comes from Jose, uh, IG handle at J Kickflip Thrifts. No, it's Kickflip Thrifts. I think I that's my typo. So, so flip typo the J in there. So um, whoever is J Kickflip Thrifts, um, <laughs> You're getting credit for something you didn't deserve. <laughs> but the real person is at Kickflip Thrifts. Came across a set of four comic books at a thrift store for $1.49 each. Could have spent the time to get them graded, but decided to throw them up as a lot and hope for the best. They were in decent condition and would rather just flip than wait for them to get graded. Ended up getting the full asking price for a set of Miss Marvel Kamala. One, two, four, five, and seven. Sold them all for $309.09. Since that's incredible. And you know, I, I honestly think you're probably better off not grading because right now the grading time uh, from what I've read is like almost a year out and you still have to pay a good amount of money unless you want to pay. It's like three to six hundred dollars to get it within like a couple of months huh. or like a thousand dollars or something crazy like that for a walk in grade. So wow. the, the because so many because Pokemon cards are up so high right now and people are, are doing like trading cards and all of that stuff. Um, the, the places that grade are just so backlogged. They literally just have just warehouses full of stuff they're waiting to grade. So it was probably wise to get this done because you probably would have spent several hundred dollars to get them graded. And maybe you could have made a lot more, but we're talking <clears throat> potentially a year out and maybe you would have lost that money depending on the grade. Cause if they came back graded at like a seven or an eight and it wouldn't have changed the value much, you know? So I think you probably were wise doing that. Now, if it was a Babe Ruth rookie card, you know, maybe grade it, but I think that's $1.49 each for four of them. 
I think it was four of them. I I put a bunch of numbers, but on the picture. So check out his Instagram. The post is there. You can determine how many there are, but it's a legit. I I, I hear you. So I remember all those Pokemon cards on that YouTube video. By the way, if you caught it, catch it out. It's about finding Pokemon cards at garage sales. I want to send them into grade. No, don't do that. Unless you have like a one of the rarest cards there is, and it's in great condition, you usually are only going to grade a card that you know is going to is is close to getting a nine or higher. And a cards like that have almost never been touched by a human hand. Okay, I get it. I get. It. Well, the other thing I wanted, I'm waiting for eBay to do that program where like they already like they just scan it and put all the info in. Mm. I think it's already set up, isn't it? Is it set up? I maybe, think so. Maybe I'll time to start listing some Pokemon cards. Yep. So hey, great job, Jose. All right. So this one, so we've talked about Ertl before. Right, is a bolo, is a hustle of the week, and man, is this a hustle of the week? So this is from Chase IG handle Chase B four two three on Instagram. So let me share with you guys what he shared with me. He said, "Okay, so I was at a yard sale, and they had over a hundred Department fifty six houses. I bought them all for about three dollars a piece. I sent you guys a pic about that a long time ago. Oops, I guess we didn't. That was a hustle of the week, but you know we get." So so many hustle of the week. By the way, if you're not following that hashtag hustle of the week, you are missing out on some great bolos. Yeah. And, and when you do those hustles of the week, um, we follow that hashtag, but also just throw a hashtag parasol podcast in there too, to make it a little easier for us to find it. Um, you know, because sometimes we don't see everything because there's yeah. so many of them now. But tag, tag like the at. Yeah. That's how it ends up on our feed. Yeah. Add us if you want it in our feed and just put hashtag parasol podcast. Uh, so people also reading it know. Because again, I, I don't think everybody who who's now starting to use Hustle of the Week know what it is. Uh, so we still dominate it. it. There's yeah. about 80, I think about 90% of the posts are there. And then there's some random stuff in there. So, all right. So said, but anyway, <laughs> I was leaving. Oh, so went to yard sale. So this is after picking up a hundred department fix 56 pieces for $3 a piece. As he was leaving, the person that just sold it to him said she also had some Tennessee coin bank cars, but she wanted to finish research them a bit. We exchanged numbers. Remember, always, always leave business card. Okay. Change numbers. And she texted me a week later. I ended up getting 16 cards. These are all Ertl, by the way, E-R-T-L, a blimp, a boat, and four airplanes for $5 each. I only have four cars left out of everything that he purchased. One car sold for $400. All right. The lowest price he sold any, any of the items he picked up was $55. I've sold one for $250, three for $200, and the others have ranged from $55 to $150. So hustle of the week. It could be hustle of the month. This is huge. So anyways, this is just intense. Like this is, this is one of those things, you know, Chase where, um, I, I really appreciate sharing these because it gives me hope when I go to garage sales, like our biggest scores have been garage sales, hands down, hands down, greatest ROI, the best treasure hunt ever. And so seeing something like this, like tells me, you know, I'm gonna keep getting out there on Saturdays. And by the way, if you haven't been hitting that bell notification on YouTube, Please do, because Mike and I think we're just dropping garage sale stuff every weekend. I mean, I haven't talked about this with Mike, but we may drop two in a weekend. I don't know if that's going to work out, but we'll figure out a time to drop them. So so anyways, thank you so much, uh, Chase, also known as Chase B 423 on Instagram. Yeah. All right. Um, Our next one comes from Carrie and Kim, IG handle at Great Lake Flipper, so great underscore lakes underscore flipper, came across a new and package vintage Laramie Super Soaker 100 Laramie. water gun. Laramie, Laramie, Laramie. Uh, from the 90s, paid $3 and listed on eBay, became an unpaid item case, but the buyer eventually paid for $180 plus shipping. I got to be looking water guns, man. Now, are you, are you old enough to remember those big super soakers? Yeah. Okay, just wondering, just wondering, you know, there's a 10 year. Yeah, there were there were vintage super soakers when I was a kid. I love those. I actually I forgot to mention I sold one of the mini ones. This is not my hustle of the week. I paid a dollar at a garage and I paid I sold it for 37 bucks plus shipping. Right. So yeah, Carrie and Kim, awesome flip, great underscore lakes, underscore flippers with the super soaker. Because if they're new in package, man, they sell pretty quick too. Mm. Pretty quick. So keep an eye. This is what I love. We live in a time where stuff I grew up with is worth a lot. So it just means you're old. 
No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going back on what I said earlier about you being young. I'm so 41. Forever young. All right. Um, okay. What about our hustle? How about you go first? All right. So my hustle of the week is uh, one of the sales that I was at was the a woman's club sale. I found a scuba bag and the scuba bag was $5 and I looked up comps and there were comps going for like 40 to $50, you know, depending. And I'm like, that's not too bad for a bag. Bags are relatively simple to ship, but it was super heavy and there was stuff inside of it. And I look and it's got a couple of scuba tubes and some other things. And I'm like, but this is just so heavy. And I pulled out one thing. It's like a weighted belt. And I'm like, all right, there's some weight stuff in here, like, like connected to scuba diving, but I don't really know what this is, but the bag's worth it. So I'm carrying this bag around and I get home and as I'm recording my video of my haul, I pull out some of the stuff and there's these packs that are like four pound packs of like little lead beads and they're called sea pearls, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's just full of these sea pearl things. So this bag was probably like 40 or 50 pounds and I'm just like carrying around this whole place. And then I look up those sea pearls and they sell for crazy amount of money. Mm -hmm. Like a, a pack of four of them, like... $70, $80. And I'm like, I've got so much weight in here that are for these, you know, diving weights or whatever. Holy cow. I bought this bag thinking the bag was the prize. The stuff inside the bag that I thought was just going to be garbage ended up being worth way more than the bag. Yeah. You bring up bad memories for me because I was at a a garage sale and there was a bag with that stuff in it. And I was going to look up comments from like, who's going to buy this? Like, who's going to pay for this? And I walked away. And then the moment I walked away... Some another person snagged them and looked up comps and they're like, all right, how much do you want? And they're like five bucks. And it was like a hundred dollar bag of them. Yep. So yeah, that's a hustle. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's surprising. So it's on my uh, video that I posted. So if you haven't watched the video yet, um, you know, go check it out. It's my most recent haul video kind of walking around that day was so intense. I actually am going to make two videos. So one of them just dropped on Friday. The next one will drop in probably a couple of weeks. Cause I think you're doing the next Saturday. So yeah. So check out, make sure you're subscribed to YouTube. If you want to see that haul, see some of the things I picked up and, uh, see the shocked look on my face. And I'm like, Oh, these things are valuable. Yeah. It, it just, ah, so crazy. All right. So we're going to travel back in time. Do we have like a time effect? Time sound? No. Not yet. Not like yet. Memories. So two years ago, two years ago, I was at a garage sale. And in this garage sale was an individual that had worked for Snap-on. And so this is a bolo. Anything Snap-on, pretty much I would pick up. And so he had a bunch of jackets and he had a bunch of stuff. And you always want to ask, hey, do you have any other items you're willing to sell? He's like, oh, come back with me. So in his garage, he had a bunch of cabinets. And he opened, he was opening and he had all these like die cast snap on items. And one of the boxes, he had snap on clocks, you know, like those wooden clocks that are like from the seventies or eighties that you like put up on your wall. Mm. Right. He had about 30 of them brand new inbox. And, you know, I'd asked him, I said, Hey, what are you thinking on these? And eventually agreed on a price. He agreed to $5 each. So, wow. I, so I've had them for a while now. I'm the only one that has them on eBay. I think there might be others now, but when I first listed, I was the only one. So I'm like, somebody had listed, <laughs> I had listed at a crazy price of like $200 each. Right. So I was like, and this is, this was a time when, you know, even now you understand most buyers don't know like how to figure out what the best offer actually was. Right. I've shared a lot about going to slab watch and you can actually look at best offer prices. That's a Chrome extension. Actually, we have a video. If you go to the YouTube video, I've made 90 day comps aren't enough. You'll hear me talk about it. So I list these. And again, I know I get people come at me all the time. Like Orlando, how long do you list things for? Two years, five, a decade. Well, these items I've had for two years, but there they've, there's been an uptick. Now I've sold some of them already. I already made my money back. Remember $5 a piece for 30. That's 150. I had these listed for 199.99. Okay, so I sold my first one for a hundred and seventy. I'm in the profit. In the last, I would say two months, I've had an uptick. I've sold three of them. I sold one for one forty. I sold one for seventy five, and I think I sold the other one for like one twenty. Already in the green. So here's the deal: if you ever find anything snap on, most of the time it's worth picking up. And then if your cost is low, it's okay. If you make your money back within two weeks. Who cares how long it sits, especially now with, you know, eBay, you don't get charged if you have a premium store until you go past 10,000 listings on certain items, totally worth it. But I, I include it as a hustle a week because 
these are super and they're super easy to ship too because I just gotta you know do a quick bubble wrap, throw in a medium flat rate box, good to go, right? And uh, they're not they don't get returned because these are collectible. Like this is somebody that has a memory that they share with some of these. So, anyways, that is my hustle of the week. I like it. All right, so what do we do now? We, we're living in a post COVID world. Reselling has changed. Prices have gone up. Demand for faster shipping is there. Competition has increased. What do we do? I would say the first thing is you got to change your mindset. If, if, if all that causes you to go, I'm done with reselling, that's not the right approach. I mean, it's common sense. Yeah, you gotta, you've got to adapt. And here's the thing. Difficult situations are actually a really good thing. Uh, it's good for you if it's an individual thing because it kind of pushes you. You learn your limits. You learn to push past it. You accomplish something. But if everybody across the board is experiencing it, what this actually does is it allows you the opportunity to to actually rise to the top. Because when things are going normal, when everything's kind of just going as it is, there's kind of already an established hierarchy. And it's difficult to to change that. But then when things get really challenging, when there's a big shakeup, when there's a black swan event, We've seen it happen with, you know, whenever there's a huge economic crash, that's when the biggest amount of wealth changes hands, right? Mm -hmm. Because people who maybe didn't have a chance before, they weren't in a position, now can capitalize on it. And next thing you know, they're at the top. And so I'm not saying that every person who's listening to this podcast is going to be a top 1% seller and is going to end up becoming a multimillionaire. But when things change and things get really difficult, a lot of people are going to quit. A lot of people are going to keep doing the same old, same old. And they're going to stagnate and they're going to maybe their stores are going to start slipping. And this is your chance to say, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to push through this. And the people who do that, the people who are willing to keep pushing through and figure it out and adapt are going to come out on top. And the people who are stuck doing the same old and they're not willing to change, they're not willing to, to adapt, they're going to at best stay the same and at worst, they're going to lose, right? And so in some ways reselling is not a zero sum game, but when it comes to total competition, total marketplace on eBay, all of those things, in some ways it is a zero sum game because as other people are failing or not trying, if you're willing to figure it out, maneuver, you can find yourself next thing you know, at the top. And it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to be a lot of, of focus, but that's the mindset you have to have. You have to look at a challenging situation and say, this has been a life altering thing for many people in the country. How can I make sure I come out of this on top? Because most people aren't thinking that way. Most people end up getting into a victim mindset and they're like, well, this is how it is. And they come up with excuses. So the people who do end up making it. And so you kind of got to look at a situation like this. Of, this is an opportunity. This, this obstacle is actually an opportunity because if you can overcome it, it's going to put you in a better position because most people have the mindset of, well, there's an obstacle now. I guess things are just the way they are. It's just the way it is. Yeah. All right. What was the what was the saying? Um, that are old. Yeah. What was the saying that our old? Um, it is what it is. Oh, it is. What we it had is, a, we yeah. had a we had a, a principal. So um, which he wasn't like this at all. But that was one of his phrases. Yeah, he hated hated that phrase. It is what it is. He hated that phrase. He didn't like when people said that phrase. I still throw it on him every time. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah, and I think there's a place for it where it's just like, yeah, I'm not going to let things bother me. But I think some people use that phrase, and the reason why some people hate that phrase is because for many it's an excuse. Well, it is the way it is. I can't do anything about it. No, you can do something about it. Do something about it. I'm telling you, I don't, I, I only see reselling getting better. I think what all these changes are going to do, it's going to weed out individuals and it's going to put those that are willing to put in the work and source and network and find items and list them and continue moving. It's just going to create greater profitability. And it, and yeah, maybe we're going to see an upsurge in reselling, but I would say most resellers that have been reselling for the last 20, 30 years will tell you that there are waves of reselling. They come and go and they come and go. I mean, I even think about YouTube, like in, a lot of individuals I watched 10 years ago, they're no longer reselling. And there's a lot of them that still are. And they're even more profitable than they were uh, 10 years ago. Even though all these resellers have showed up on the scene, they're doing better than all. <laughs> Pretty much most people that watch them, they just, they know what they're doing. And so, you know, the, the scarcity mindset will hold you back going. There's nothing out there. Everything's too expensive. I can't ship as fast as others can. You know, there's just too much. I don't like going out there. 
that will hold you back. But if you look at it as, hey, you know what? More resellers means that there's more people looking to get online. I've always said this. The more people get on eBay, the better it is for eBay. Because what that means is that eBay continues to be a viable platform that people will go to to buy and sell. Right. Because even though and, you know, Mike and I, I think disagree on some of this a little bit, but even though Macari and Poshmark and, you know, all these other platforms are showing up, they're still not anywhere close to where eBay or Amazon is. Even FFB Marketplace, Facebook, like there's a lot of growing pains. Now, will they get to a place where, you know, they're going to be able to definitely compete against eBay? Very possible. But again, you know, if fees become something that holds you back, then you're not seeing the bigger picture of like, hey, I'm paying literally pocket change to sell on eBay to a global audience. Like we talk about this stuff all the time, but your mindset has to be that this is for the best and I'm going to make things happen. All right. about How about experimenting sourcing like we just dropped uh did we just drop a, a youtube <laughs> we, we've dropped a few lately about s- items that don't sell as fast anymore yeah i think we just dropped that one so yeah i mean you've got to you got to experiment and i think that's i the interview we had with um, craigslist hunter has always stuck with me uh-huh. with the idea of yeah. every year try two two or three even just one new niche, right? Just learn something. And so I've been learning tools. I've dropped a couple of tool videos. I'm probably gonna drop some more here pretty soon. And it's funny because as I'm cleaning out my inventory and I'm using, my wife had this old hammer that she got when she went on a mission trip that they gave to her as like part of, you know, the mission trip team. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, holy cow, this is a plum hammer. This is like a really nice hammer, right? And before that, I wouldn't have known. And now I'm picking up tools. When I'm at places, I'm like, ooh, made in the USA. Ooh, this is a Stanley sweetheart item. Ooh, this is, and I'm seeing things that I never saw before and I'm making money. So you've got to, you got to be willing to branch out and experiment and even like watching videos. So not the the YouTube video that just dropped with me garage selling, but I have another one that's going to drop here pretty soon. Um, I'm watching and I'm like, man, I did not, I missed that. I missed that. Oh, I, I did not negotiate very well here. I gave a number and as quickly as they took it, I could have gone up lower, mm-hmm. right? Like they're like a hundred and I'm like, oh, how about 90? Sure. I'm like, dang, I should have said 80, right? And so uh, experimenting and figuring it out, right? Whether it's you're negotiating, whether it's items you're picking up, different types of items. Yeah, you, you never know until you try. And the, the thing is, don't don't all in switch, right? If you're a if you're a vintage clothing seller, don't just like stop buying that and start buying used electronics, right? Buy a little bit of used electronics, but keep doing what you're doing, but experiment with other things because you might find a brand new lane that you're gonna join. Yeah, agreed. So, you know. Mike and I, we dropped that video about brands that don't sell as fast as it used to. COVID changed a lot. It changed, you know, in the beginning of COVID, it was very much about people buying what they needed, right? And then after time, people were trying to, you know, spend time at home. They couldn't leave. Then people were buying what they needed to stay entertained. Then after that, people had extra money because the government was giving people money. And so, there was an influx. Anytime a stimulus check dropped, right, we had a rise in sales. And the stuff that was selling wasn't needs, it was wants for the most part. For the most part. I, I, I don't think I don't sell anything that people need. People don't need my inventory, right? But and so what this means is, you know, understanding that, hey, just like anytime you resell, like looking at the market, what sells, what doesn't sell. And you may have been used to just selling a certain item. I I see this all the time. You know, you can go down the dark rabbit hole of these forums about reselling on Reddit and and other sites. People are like, yeah, I remember back in the day I used to pick these up and now you can't even sell them anymore. It's all eBay's fault. It's all these new YouTubers dropping videos. And you hear that all the time. But no, the reason that person isn't selling those items is because buyers don't want it anymore. Like it's done. Like there was a time for that. And so be willing to experiment sourcing. Also on the practical side, be able to experiment sourcing about, hey, maybe you've only done thrift stores. Maybe it's time to do more garage sales or maybe you've just done garage sales and that's not working out. So maybe you need to do pallets or maybe you need to find a wholesale distributor or maybe it's time to do more retail. Like start experimenting because you got to, you got to be able to be flexible. One of the reasons I think I've been able to be full-time and this is now wrapping up my third year going on to my fourth and my business is only getting better is because 
I've constantly experimented. The only place I haven't experimented in is private label. But, you know, I haven't done pallets, but I've done wholesale buys, which are kind of like pallets, right? You just, you get a box instead of a pallet, right? Uh, of vintage gear and so on. And I will tell you, diversifying, like for me, if I can't find anything at thrifts and thrifts aren't going well, I can go to garage sales. If garage sales aren't working out, I know how to retail arbitrage. If if I can't retail arbitrage on Amazon, I know how to retail arbitrage on eBay. And I'm not saying this out of arrogance. I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to do a humble brag. And what do you think about humble brag? The term humble brag. That makes sense. Yeah. It does. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying I've experimented enough that whatever position I'm in, I can pivot and I can make things happen. So I encourage you guys to experiment in your sourcing. Then last of all, I think this is going to be the game changer. It's just providing better customer service. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, customer service is, is really important. And one of the nice things about being on eBay or Amazon is you're kind of already lumped in with those companies' reputation with customer service. So you get the benefit, especially if you're using things like returns, even if you don't do free returns. I don't do free returns. I just do 30-day returns, and that helps. Obviously, doing free returns would help a little bit more, uh, but when I make a mistake or if a customer is unhappy and I'm willing to, to do the return, and there's a lot of times I don't do free returns, but where a customer, for whatever reason, is doing a return, and I'll pay the shipping because it's like, Okay, maybe if it's like it didn't fit, I'm sorry, you're paying the shipping. But if they get it and they're like, you know what, like this item, uh, I know it was it's used, but like this knob is actually not the right knob. Like they changed this and this is this is aftermarket. And it's like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna cover shipping back, mm -hmm. right? Like not a big deal. Like this, this I would be upset if I was you too, right? And so when I do those things, I think it puts you a step above. It ensures that you've got good metrics. And it, you know, when when you're doing those things. One, it's going to help you potentially with return customers, and and I don't I don't really feel like I get lots of I get a few of those for certain things, uh, but the other thing that it does is it helps you in the algorithm. The algorithm is important. So, you know, there's going to be there's going to be an influx of new sellers, right? And a lot of people are scared to do, like you said, returns. A lot of people are scared to take certain offers. A lot of people aren't going to be willing to take that extra step. And I, I understand when you first start reselling, like, you know, you worked hard to get the item you wanted it listed, like anybody, you know, asking anything extra, you're like, no, this is online. Like, I don't, I don't even know who you are. Like, why am I going to spend my time trying to provide good customer service? But I'm telling you, if there's anything that I think that's going to separate sellers along with better sourcing and experimenting with sourcing and change your mindset. It's going to be providing good customer service, especially right now, because with a bunch of new sellers, what I find out is that there's a, you know, yesterday I'll give it, I'll give you an example. So yesterday I had somebody who wanted to buy a pair of cowboy boots. And so they offered me half price and I took it cause it was a slow day. Uh, but I still ended up, you know, I had like a $700 day on eBay, not a bad day. And I think it was, I, I don't know if we need to do the sound effect again, but it was, it triggered the algorithm. Right. And so what happened, they messaged me and they're like, Hey, I can't, you know, I can't, uh, I can't have you ship this to this address. I need to ship to another address. So I messaged them back. I said, Hey, per eBay policy, I can't do anything about changing addresses. You're going to need to, uh, and we're going to need to cancel. You have to repurchase with your new address on file. They never got back to me. So I relisted the item still and I sent them the link and I said, here it is with the price we agreed upon. Just a heads up. In the last two minutes, I got two new offers from people wanting the spare boots. And the reason they wanted them, because since my price dropped by 50% on the listing mm. and I was getting even lower offers, right? But eventually this guy messages me and he's like, Hey, you know, uh, I really, I'm an old man that loves buying boots and I really would appreciate if you could cut me a deal on this one. I, you know, I, I'm not going to respond to that. Right. It's already pretty cheap, like pay full price. So then an hour later he goes, so you just ignore people's requests, huh? You, you, you drop the price and then you don't want to help anybody out. I ignore that. Right. So then the other person never repurchased the boots. So I, I put it back to the hundred, I think it was 134 99. So the guy messaging me back, he's like, whoa, not only do you ignore people, but now you double your price of your items. Now, I could have been annoyed and been like, you know what, man? Like, 
you know, ignored him, whatever. So I just messaged him back. I said, Hey, listen, here's what happened. Somebody's going to buy it. I dropped the price for them. This is what agreed to. You're welcome to buy it at this price. And I put LOL. And he's like, haha, sorry, man. I was just being sarcastic. He started backpedaling. Right. So then he messages me. He's like, listen, I would love to buy those boots, but all I have is $58 plus to cover the shipping in my PayPal. Now I could have been like, I'm not doing this. You didn't block him? I didn't block Dude, like, him. I feel like old Orlando would have just blocked him the first time he uh, gave you any sass. No, no. Because Orlando's about customer service. So, which some of you... Do, do you think I'm crazy? So anyways, here's the thing. I would have blocked that guy. Here's what happened. The guy bought the boots. He paid for them. I, I paid like... I think I paid like 10 or 15 bucks. Yeah. Would it have been nice to get the 100 for them? Sure. But here's the thing. The boots were worn. There was a black stain. It was on ostrich boots. So like, I don't know if I would have gotten the hundred. And on top of that, the moment I sold them, guess what? I had a bunch of other sales that happened after. So I believe that my customer service came through. If you think I'm crazy and wrong and I should have blocked, let me know in the comments. I just would, I would just imagine in a situation like that, your chances of negative feedback are way higher. Like that's a customer who's going to get the boots. See, but I'm not, I don't fear that. This is why I don't fear that. A few reasons eBay will see all the messages and will see that I did everything to provide customer service to this individual. And if they're not happy with it, I'm just going to say, return it for a full refund. I, I'm, I'm safeguarded. I'm good. I am not worried. And that's where I, what I mean. I think customer service is going to make the difference. Now, was that the best of example? Probably not, but I wanted to share customer service will definitely help Increase your sales. We'll help you in this post-COVID world. And I think it's going to make the major difference because I think gone are the days where you could just sell stuff, not offer returns, not communicate with buyers. I think COVID changed all of that and made it next level because there's so many more people and there's so much more expectations now because of this COVID that happened last year. But hey, there's so much opportunity to level up your standard of living through reselling. Yeah. And with that being said, always make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Late. Peace.